Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. So Luke chapter 15, beginning with verse 11, it says this. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. Everyone say two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. The portion of goods, everyone say goods, that falls to me. Uh, We would all know uh, that what he's referring to is his inheritance that belongs to him, but is for a different time. It's for a different season. See, you can't handle all that God has for you at one time. There are specific seasons that God wants to deliver things to you, and there are certain seasons where you are not ready, capable. Even Jesus said this with his disciples one time. He said, there's many more things I'd love to share with you, but I can't. You can't bear them. It's not because I can't articulate them. It's not because I don't know. It's not because I'm still trying to figure it out. I want to share it with you. There's many more things I want to share, but you can't bear them now. You can't handle everything that God has for you right now. But when the right season comes and when the right time comes, then you can. You don't want blessing out of season. You don't want blessing out of season. So he's asking for his inheritance. It says, deliver to me the goods that are due me. The inheritance that you would give me when you die, when you're gone. I'm due an inheritance, the younger brother. There's a portion that uh, he would automatically receive. So he's not asking for something that doesn't belong to him. He's just asking for it out of the wrong season. And so the father did exactly that. You know, God will let you have whatever Uh, uh, he'll let you do whatever you want to do. He will let you do it. And you can't blame it on God, but he'll let you have it. So So he divided to them his livelihood. That's including the older brother, by the way. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. One version says, with immoral living. So he's using even the blessing, what was designed to be a blessing to him, he's using it uh, for the wrong kind of living. So therefore, he's wasting it. He's not using it for what it was designed to be used for. And again, God will let you do that. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So now a son is just hoping he can be a servant. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, 
His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet. Bring out the fatted calf here and we will kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. I want to stop right there and back us up. That this younger son, again, remember what he's asked for. He's asking for the goods. He's asking for the stuff. He's asking for things. He's asking for inheritance. When we think of inheritance, we typically think of what? Money. And he took the money, he ran, and he wasted that money, wasted those possessions. But let me just ask you something. What was this young man able to gain on his own that he did not already have in his father's house. Think about it. What can money get you? Money can buy him some food, right? I'm sure he had some good eating. Of course, he wasted it. Uh, We actually find out later on he wasted it on prostitutes and immoral living and that that sort of thing. Uh, Wild living, one, one translation even says. But he could purchase food. Uh, If he wanted to, he could go purchase a home, put a roof over his head. If he wanted to, he could, you know, if this was in modern day and age, buy a vehicle, get transportation, right? He's, he's, He's buying things. He's using the money to buy stuff. But the question is, what is he trying to get access to in this life, separated from his father that he doesn't already have? Because at home, guess what? He's got food. He's taken care of. At home, he's got a roof over his head. At home, he's provided for. So this young man, he's not just trying to gain access to his inheritance. He's trying to gain access to independence. He's not just trying to get access to stuff. He's trying to get access to a whole new way of doing things. And this is the thing about independence, is independence is the most dangerous word in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, the thing that will get you in the most trouble, the thing that will be the most detrimental to you living the best life and living the life that God has for you is your desire to live separate and independent of the Father's authority. In the Father's house, he provides for you. In the Father's house, you're taken care of. In the Father's house, you've got a roof over your head. In the Father's house, you don't have to give thought to. Isn't that what Jesus said? Don't give thought to what you'll eat and to what you'll drink and to what you'll wear and to where you'll live and to what you'll have. You don't even have to give thought because if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. That means you won't have to go run them down. They'll come run you down. That's the way this young man lived. This young man wasn't concerned about where he was going to live, what he was going to eat, how he was going to get along in life, what, who was going to take care of him. He was in the father's house and under the father's roof is the father's provision. But under the father's roof is also 
the Father's authority. And this is what a lot of believers get in trouble with, is we want God's provision without God's authority. We want to separate the two. Let me tell you something. This young man had it good. This young man had a great life. I can tell you right now, it doesn't matter how good you have it. It doesn't matter how long you've walked with the Lord. We all come to this point in life at some point where we are willing to risk what we have for what we want. All of us at some point in our lives, most likely by this point, by this time, have had a confrontation with doing it my way or doing it his way? Do I remain under his authority and receive a provision in my life as a byproduct of remaining under the Father's house and under the Father's authority? Or do I separate myself from the authority, take the provision for myself and do it how I wanna do it? All of us have this confrontation at some point. All of us, doesn't matter uh, what style of living, doesn't matter if you've walked with the Lord for 50 years, you will be confronted at some point with, do I do it my way? Now, I know we want to, uh, a lot of people use this passage and, and use this story as an opportunity to talk about the Father's love. And it absolutely should, because God is love. That means everything that God does, he executes with love even his authority. And the world wants to separate the two. The world wants to show you a God of love and then there's another God, a God of authority. There's a God that corrects and challenges and there's a God that forgives and accepts. There's a God and we've got two separate gods and I'm telling you today, it's one God. We don't serve multiple gods. We don't serve a God uh, with, with an a identity crisis. We don't serve a bipolar God who's challenging you and correcting you one day and then he's petting your flesh. It's gonna be okay. I've made a way for you. I, I sent my son, he died on the cross. We're gonna be our, no, it's the same God that can, can operate in truth and in grace, in mercy and in judgment, the same God. And the Bible says God is love. So even when I'm being challenged, even when I'm being corrected, even when I'm being taught, even when I'm being discipled, even when I'm being developed, he's executing it with love. Period. There's no other way. It is impossible for God to do anything that he does outside of love. But we have a culture today that rejects authority. There are parents today confused with how to raise their children because they know they need a authority figure in their life, but they also want to be their friend. You are not your child's friend. There's no need to be agreeable with a child. You are there to correct. You are there to dis discipline. You are there to bring authority. And it is absolutely possible to bring authority in love. I know it's countercultural. I know the world wants to give us a different image. They want to draw a line down the middle and you're either this, you're either that. But this young man is, is under the roof of a father that cares for him, loves him, uh, wants to grow him, wants to challenge him, wants to develop him. 
but he's also there as an authority figure. You know, the father, that is a, a role of authority. God is a king. You know what a king is? A king is a position of authority. I know we sing songs like, you know, good, good father. Oh, you're a good, good father. There's a young man that just recently wrote a song out of, uh, based on this story and really the, the parables that are grouped here called Reckless Love. And that's what we want to focus on. But I want you to remember the love flows from authority. So you cannot disconnect God's authority and get his provision. It doesn't work that way. You cannot disconnect provision from the provider. In fact, we find out what happens. He takes the provision, watch this. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions, that inheritance with prodigal living. Now, I just wanna ask you this real quick. If he had taken that money, that inheritance, and say he did something, you know, that we would all agree is, is good. Maybe he went and started a nonprofit. Maybe he just went and, 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 and bought a house and, and invested the rest and wanted to grow it. Uh, let, let's say he takes it, uh, you know, and, and, and starts a, a business or he takes that possession and he just, he wants to continue, but he's disconnected from his father. Would he, would he be correct? No. No. It's not a matter of what you do with it. I can tell you right now, there are a lot of believers. There are far too many believers on the earth today that live independent of God's authority, but are still enjoying provision more than we would like to admit. And so what happens is, is now we have this confusion that we think because we are living in some form of blessing or we have provisions, look at me, I must be doing okay. I must be doing right because look at all the stuff I have. I wouldn't, we have this idea that if we were really wrong, that if we were really out of line, that the rug would be pulled out from us. But I'm telling you right now, there are some unbelievers that are living pretty well in the earth. They look blessed on the outside. They look like they have it all together. In fact, Jesus addressed a, a, a group in Matthew chapter seven and he said, you call me Lord, Lord, and you're over here prophesying in my name, casting out devils. You're, you're doing all these things, but you are no closer to me than the man on the moon. You, I don't even know you, he says. Depart from me. We cannot confuse blessing and provision with alignment with God's authority. And here's what I know. It says, as he goes on, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine. Here's what I know. If you disconnect provision from the provider, you will run out. You are at the mercy of the resource. You're at the mercy of the resource. If you disconnect provision from the one who provides it, from remaining in alignment under God's authority. Look, God set up this whole thing as an authority structure from the beginning. If you want to buck authority and if you don't want to submit and if you don't want to align yourself with God's authority, nothing works for you, period. 
From Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he created man in his own image, in his own likeness, and then he gave man dominion or rulership on the authority or uh, on the earth. But guess what? If you don't remain submitted to the authority over you, you will not remain, you will not remain in authority of things under you. It doesn't work. The earth was created to serve Adam and Eve. There was nothing they needed. Think about it. In that garden, what did they lack? What did they run around saying, you know what? We, Eve, hit the grocery store. We ran out of milk. What's going on here? No. Everything's provided for. The earth serves them. And as long as they serve the king, the earth will serve them. But two chapters later, Genesis chapter three, the whole thing falls apart because what? Independence. Because someone stepped in and questioned authority. Questioned authority. And there are even subtle ways that we question authority today. There's even subtle ways that we get independent ideas in our mind rather than running with what the word of God says. This book right here is, is up for so much debate and opinion today. It, it, it's hard to even recognize the truth, but I can tell you what, when you learn the authentic, you'll begin to recognize the counterfeit. If you become familiar with this and you quit listening to teachings and doctrines filtered uh, by men of God and evangelists and apostles and all these prophets of God that are asking for, uh, you know, if you'll send us this much money, then you'll receive this. That's garbage. Get in the word for yourself. We've said from day one in this church, don't believe anything I say because Pastor Mark said it. You better know how to analyze this word for yourself because this is the very authority by which you live. I mean, even just at, at camp this week, a couple of our girls were confronted with a situation and they were in a position where they had to recognize, is that in alignment with the word of God? And they identified it and we were so proud of them for recognizing it. What they said, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I believe with that. We, we, were, we were looking at each other like, I don't think that's what the Bible says. And they were able to weed it out. You know why? Because they were in a house that preaches the authentic. So when the counterfeit shows up, they recognize it. They see it. That's your students. That's your children. That's that generation in this church. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter four that we are not to be carried about by every wind of doctrine. It doesn't even say false doctrine. It says every wind of doctrine. You know, there are some doctrines out there that although they may not be false, they are not correct. They are not in full alignment. If I leave anything out of this word, then I'm not following in full alignment. There are people that wanna leave out the, the, the ministering and the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they're uncomfortable and they don't like talking in other languages and that's just weird and that just sounds like gibberish and that was done away with. Now you're demon possessed and, and that was for a different day. No, no, no. My Bible says that my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you accept the doctrine that says Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and the work of the Holy Spirit is not for today, you've just been blown around by a wind of doctrine. but I'm not gonna go to heaven. That's not the question. 
Doctrine doesn't help me go to heaven. Doctrine helps me bring heaven to earth. What am I here to do? What am I really here for? So when we accept a misaligned gospel, guess what? You have just misaligned yourself with the authority of God. His word is the final authority. Authority, submission. It's what the enemy doesn't want. Think about Satan himself. You know, Satan was on the good side. He was on the good side. The Bible says he was an angel of light. He was actually heaven's worship leader. Sure was. But the Bible says he got puffed up in pride. The Bible says that he even wanted God himself to bow down and worship him. Isn't that what Satan came and visited Jesus in the desert and tried to get him to do? If you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give you all this. It's amazing the things that we will risk in the moment. We will risk our entire future. We will risk entire uh, 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 everything that God has for us for one moment of weakness, one moment of independence. I don't know about you. I don't want to live independently of God's word. I don't want to live outside or misaligned with what his word says. And if his word says it, we ought to believe it and we ought to live like it's so. Bottom line. I mean, I'll be honest with you, and I know I'm a pastor, and it might sound weird for a pastor to be saying this, but, but most people don't receive their pastor accurately. They don't. There's a lot of people, maybe not in this church, but there's a lot of people sitting in church pews all across this morning questioning what they're hearing from the man of God. Now, I'm not saying that you're not supposed to, uh, uh, that you're supposed to just receive what I say for what it is. I've already covered that. You got to go home and study it for yourself and find it for yourself. But to have a questioning attitude, oh, I don't know about that, Pastor Mar. I, I don't know if I, I don't know how I feel about that. And questioning the authority. Look, I'm not here speaking on my own initiative, just as Jesus wasn't here speaking on his own initiative. And then Jesus said the Holy Spirit wouldn't even speak on his own initiative. I'm here on assignment with you today. I've been sent to you directly from the throne room of God and the words that I say are not the words of man. They are the words of God. If you question me, you question God's authority. I mean, I, I challenge the, the boys because we got our, 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 you know, just as my wife was saying, got kids running down to this altar, trampling about ready to kill themselves worse than a Walmart on Black Friday. To be down here to worship, snotting and crying and screaming and shouting and kneeling and bowing and, and dancing and hands raised. And this is what I told him in that room. I said, now here's the thing. You're down here. God, what's my purpose? God, show me my assignment. Show me who I'm supposed to marry. Show me what I'm supposed to do. Show me where, what school I'm supposed to go to. God, I want to submit to your plan. I want to submit to your will. But then their youth leader comes around at 11 p.m. that night and says, lights out, and they buck it. And we have this idea that I don't have to align with male or, or man's authority, mankind's authority in the earth, but I can be in alignment with God. Yeah. What's this story really about? It's about a young man 
that decided to live independently of his father's authority, the head of the house authority, and therefore took provisions that were rightfully his, that belonged to him. He wasn't stealing from his father and his father gave them and handed them over. But I can tell you right now, God's provision in your hands outside of uh, God's authority will be disastrous to you, detrimental to you, and your life will not be the life that God has for you, period. We cannot disconnect blessing from authority. Blessing follows authority. That means if I find myself in right alignment with the authority of heaven and the authority of God, blessing will come find me. I don't even have to go running it down. So this young man, he wastes the possessions, wastes the provision, the blessing with prodigal living. And it says that he spent all and there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. Because he's also not just compromised provision, now he's compromised protection. If this young man would have remained home when the famine, when the storm when the trials of life, when the challenges of life come, you'll be in a place where you are defended and protected from it. It doesn't mean that the challenges and trials won't come. It means that you'll be in the right place at the right time to be taken care of. Now he's having to fight a battle he shouldn't even have to be trying to fight. Now he's trying to fight a battle that he shouldn't even having having to be figuring out how is this gonna work? How am I gonna live? He would be in his father's house and guess what? His father would take care of him. Then his problem would really be his father's problem. I wanna live in alignment with God's word and God's authority so well that when a problem faces me, I can say, have you talked to my dad? Do you know who my dad is? That's not my problem. That's God. I can look at my father and say, you gonna take care of this? Now he might send me out to do some work. But David, when he faced Goliath, he didn't take it personal. He said, you are mocking my God. When you mock me, you mock him. You you ready to take him on? Are you sure? Do you know who you're really attacking right now? But see, people that don't remain in alignment with God's authority, they can't talk like that. They have to fight the battle on their own defenses. They have to fight the battle on their own resources. They have to fight the battle on their own ability to fight off. And sometimes we're fighting the enemy on our own level because we don't trust that we have the protection and the provision of the house because we have disconnected and disbanded from his authority. And then we wanna come running back saying, God, I need your help. Well, if you remained in the house, you would have had my help all along. If you remained under the roof, if you remained under the authority that is structured, this would be a thing you would already be provided for. You'd already be protected from. You would already be taken care of. I'm telling you, you you don't want to live life isolated from the authority of God's word. 
But yet it's where we see so many believers live. And it's so easy. So easy to run the risk. That means I've got to be intentional with aligning with his authority. I've got to be intentional because under his roof is provision. Under his roof is protection. Under his roof is purpose. Under his roof, he'll make sure I have what I need when I need it and that I don't have what I don't need when I don't need it. Because I don't want to be trying to manage blessing out of season. I don't want to be trying to take care of something that I shouldn't even have to be dealing with. He goes and he finds a man, a farmer. He joins himself to that man. He sends him into the field to feed swine. Says he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods. This is the thing, when provision runs out, then you are at the mercy of the world's resources. Now he finds himself out of provision that he had, out of possession that he once had. And now he finds himself having to go to someone that he should be ruling over. And now he's going to it to try to supply his need. Believers have no business going to the world for stuff that we should be going to God for. And I'll tell you right now, what the world can give you will never Never compare to what God already has for you. There's no bank on this planet that can replace your God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. There's no therapist, counselor, psychiatrist on this planet that can, that can replace the God that will give us peace that passes all understanding, that tells us to do not worry. Do not be anxious for anything. There's no protection this world can give you that will substitute or replace or compare what God already has for you. Anything you, work, anything you go to in the world is subpar below what God has for you. Now there's things, there's times that he will send you to the world for things, but he never wants us limited by the world's resources. If you're relying on the government to fix you, the economy to fix you, the school system to fix you, the, 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 the credit system to fix you, the housing market to fix you, it, whatever we rely on, the world cannot solve your problems. It wasn't designed to. You were designed to solve its problems. The world's been waiting on you the whole time. And now he finds himself relegated to a farmer Feeding pigs. You know what we call that? We call that a slave. So now he's gone from sonship to slavery. The whole opposite way of living that God never designed for us to live. Slaves to the world. And it says that he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. The world will receive you when you've got stuff. But man, when you don't have anything, guess what? They throw you to the curb. They want nothing to do with you. Oh yeah, they were all around you when you had the money, when you had the stuff, when you had the notoriety, when you had the properties, when you had this and when you had that. But now all of a sudden you've run out of all that stuff. Guess what? They don't want you anymore. 
verse 17, says that he came to himself. And watch what he says. How many of my father's hired servants? So he went from being a son, became a slave, and now he's looking at a servant. It's three different levels of living. Slave, servant, son. Now a slave does a lot of work for little pay and is not taken care of. A servant does a lot of work for a little more pay and is taken care of. But a son doesn't have to live off of a paycheck. A son's not on payroll. A son is not uh, someone uh, that has to come around and ask the, the, the master for a raise. The son is blood. The son has things that belong to him by right. He has things that belong to him just because he's got the last name and his blood is flowing through his veins. His father's blood is flowing through his veins. There are things that belong to you that you would not have to work for. You would not have to beg for. You would not have to fight for. They just automatically belong to you if you remain in alignment with the father. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough, watch this, and to spare? So here I am, a slave, barely able to eat. At least my servants, the next grade up, the next level up, they're able to eat and they have leftovers. And I perish with hunger. I will arise. I will go to my father and will say to him, now I want you to pay close attention to this. This is what he says to himself that he's gonna tell his father. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Correction always begins with repentance. If you cannot acknowledge that you've messed up, then there's no next step. Repentance. The Bible tells me that if I repent, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. But my responsibility, I have to acknowledge my sin, repent of my sin. What is sin, by the way? Independence from the word of the king, period. Period. There's no levels to sin. There's no, uh, you know, this can do this, but this can't do this. Anytime you make a decision outside of what the father says, that's a sin. The Bible even tells us that if we know what to do and don't do it, that's a sin. Why? It's independent living, independent thinking. It's me wanting to do something outside of what the Father said, period. It's called sin. And so he says, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. Verse 19, I am no longer to be called your son, no longer worthy to be called your son. Watch this. Make me like one of your hired servants. So let's review. This is what he says. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I acknowledge the sin and repent of it. He says, I'm not worthy to be called your son too. And thirdly, make me like one of your hired servants. I was a son. I've lived, as, I've lived as a slave. I just want to be a servant. 
Isn't that usually what we do when we come to God? We, we just want to go the next level up. We just want to say, you know what? I, I, I can't be this. Just make me this. Just make me a, if you could just make me a, a sinner saved by grace. I would just be okay with just acknowledging that, that, that I'm a sinner and I mess up, but, 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 but because of your mercy and because of your grace, I, I'm able to come back in and, 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 and you'll take care of me and you'll put me on payroll. That's what he's asking. He's saying, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I'm not worthy to live like a son and have all the, the provision necessary to be a son, but I'm willing to just be a servant. Just make me a servant. So watch this. And he arose and came to his father. And while he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The same God, the same father that puts the authority structure in place is the same God that will come running to you when you take a step to him. It's amazing how far God will go if you would just take the first step. But you know what? We're, we are so cautious with just the first step. It's so hard for us to even come to that position. But now the father runs out to meet him, to greet him. He ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. Now watch this. Verse 21, and the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. So far, going just like he planned. So far, just what he said to himself, he's now saying to his father, I'm gonna acknowledge my sin. I'm gonna repent of my sin. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just make me one of your hired servants. But look at verse 22. But the father said to his servants, he's not even listening to the son. He has changed course. He's given his attention, his focus somewhere else. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. I just want to be you're not listening to me. Dad, are you listening to me? And he's talking to the servants. Go kill the fatted calf. Go get a robe. Go get a ring. Put it on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. We're gonna celebrate him. He, he was uh, 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 dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. What's the one thing the son didn't get to share? He didn't get to say, just make me one of your servants. Because this is the thing with God. You can declare your past, but you do not get to determine your future. If God has called you a son, you don't get to live like a servant. God has called you a son and he will never take that away. When you come back and you respond like a child of God, when you come and you respond, submitted, repentant, underneath the authority structure of the house, guess what? You're a son. You can't relinquish. I mean, sure, that father could have easily have said, yeah, you're absolutely right, you're a servant. 
you start on Monday. And this is your pay. And I'll tell you when to eat. And I'll tell you when it's time to drink. And I'll tell you when you can go where you want to go. I'll tell you when to wake up. I'll tell you when to go to sleep. Yeah, you're going to work for me. You're an embarrassment. You're an embarrassment to this family. Everybody saw what you did out there. My name's been tainted now. Living with these women, spending my money, my inheritance. You think I got more inheritance laying around? You think I got a second layer back there somewhere? No, no, no. You took what you wanted. You ran. You're lucky I even let you in this house. But he didn't say that, did he? He ran to him, fell on his neck, kissed him. And now he's throwing a party. Celebrating. He said, my son has come home. You don't leave a son and come back a servant. You come back a son. So this is the thing. I'm kind of dabbling into my message with Jerry Ann's conference. But this is why identity is so important. Because now the goal is can I see myself the way God sees me? After all that I've done, after all that I've messed up, after everything, the, the hard part, now that seeing you as a son, he went right out to him. He said, we're killing the fatted calf. We're having a party. Now the goal is, can you see yourself the way, knowing all that you did, knowing all that's happened, knowing the, 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 the turmoil that's taken place, knowing how you have detrimented your future uh, and, and what you thought was your future. And now you're just wanting to come home, come back as a lowly servant. If I could just work for the man, I would be doing better than I'm doing out here. And, and, and this is many times how we come to God. We come to God with this lowly, oh God, I'm not worthy. I can't, I can't can't do this if you would just please grant me but you don't have to beg a dad if you're a son my son does not come to me and say uh dad um i'm 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 kind of hungry is is it okay if i go in the fridge i just want a little little smidge just a little snack just 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 a little you know what he does he throws that thing wide open about breaks the door off the thing he'll climb up in there Stand on the freezer. The freezer's on the bottom. He'll open that thing up just enough. Stand up there and start digging around for whatever. Why? He's my son. If it belongs to me, it belongs to him. If it's in the house, he's got access to it. He's never once come to me and said, Dad, do we, do we have enough to eat? I'm, I'm kind of hungry, but do we have enough money to go out and get something to eat? You know what he says? I'm hungry. Where are we going? Chili's. I don't want Chili's. Beijing Cafe. I don't want Beijing Cafe. Panda Express. I don't want Panda Express. Wendy's. I don't want Wendy's. Chick-fil-A. I don't want Wendy's. I don't want Chick-fil-A. Chili's. Okay, Chili's. I'm just hoping I can get through all the restaurants where he'll forget where we started, and I'll pick that one out, and he'll be like, okay. I, he just wants to say no like five times before he says yes. He just wants to know he's got a little bit of control here. I'm serious. That's everyday conversation. Or every time we go out to eat, the first five things he says, no. Finally, I'll get to one where he'll just say, okay, fine. 
That's the way a son should act. Do I have any children of God in the house that recognize you got access to some stuff? You don't have to beg. You don't have to wallow. You don't have to gripe. You don't have to complain. You don't have to moan. That's one of the things that I hate the most is hearing my son complain about something that he has access to freely. But yet you're acting like a beggar. You're acting like it doesn't belong to you. This, this is yours. And if you remain under right alignment, you get access to it. Worship team, if you come. In verse 22, how many of you remember there were two, two sons? You remember that? If there's a younger brother, what's that automatically mean? There's an older brother. Can't be a younger brother and not have another brother. Look at verse 22. But the father said to his servants, if, if I haven't hit your category yet, if you're not that prodigal son and man, you've done a good job staying home and staying in the house and you do what you're supposed to do, which I know there's nobody in here like that. We have all been prodigals at some point. Anybody wanna testify with me? I've been a prodigal, but I came home and he accepted me. He brought me back. Amen, amen. But I want you to see another category here. We're not done. I'm just telling them to come up so I'll move a little quicker. But we're not done. Verse, verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come home. He said, your brother has come home. Your brother has come home. Because he has received him, we have received him safe and sound. Your father has killed the fatted calf. Now look at the older brother's response. Verse 28. But he was angry. He was angry. He was angry. This is the older brother. He's angry. He's not responding like the father would respond. He's not acting like the father would act. He's not talking like the father would talk. The father embraced the younger brother, received him. But now the older brother, he's angry. Like a lot of Christians believe God would act. I can't go to church. He's angry with me. No, he's not. He will welcome you with open arms. If you come under the position that I want to align myself with his authority and his life, and I want to receive that blessed life, then he will welcome you with open arms. But now the older brother, which is a lot of church folk, is angry. He was angry and he would not go in. Would not go in to celebrate his brother's return. So therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. His dad is now turning the attention to the older brother and saying, come on, what's your problem? We're in here celebrating. He's home. He's returned. Watch. 
he answered and he said to his father, Lo, these many years, I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, you can't even call him his brother. He says, this son of yours, as soon as he comes home, he's devoured your livelihood with harlots. You've killed the fatted calf for him. The father said to him, son, watch this. You are always with me. And all that I have is yours. It already belongs to you. It's already yours. In the New Living Translation, that verse, in verse 30, it reads this way. The older brother was angry, wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slain. All these years I've slain. They're slaves, they're servants, they're sons. And even though this son did all the right things, followed the commands, never went anywhere, didn't neglect the things, didn't neglect the authority, remained in what we would call right alignment, he didn't view himself as a son. He saw himself as a slave. This is the thing. Everybody in this room, regardless of where you're at today, you may be coming off of prodigal living. You may be coming out of a season where you knew rightfully I've not been in right alignment with his authority I've been living to my own devices my own cares the way I want to do things I've been disconnected from the father because I've been out of his house I didn't remain under the roof but I'm telling you today you can come back home you come in and acknowledge the sin, repent where you missed it, repent where you blew it, and recognize I'm coming back to you, Father, as a son, as a daughter, as a child of God. He will accept you. He will welcome you back. He will receive you back, and you can be purposeful in the house once again. But now the other group. I've been doing the right thing. I didn't leave. I've been right here. I've been under alignment. You see me working? I'm at church every weekend. I'm serving. I get there early. I leave late. I'm raising my kids, doing the best job I can to keep them in the Word. I, I do my devotion. I pray. But you're doing it with the wrong heart. 
here's the thing. The older brother was just as disconnected from the father's heart as the younger brother. We cannot live a lie, a confused life thinking that because we're in the house, we have his heart. Just because you're in the Father's house does not mean you have the Father's heart. How can I truly reveal that I'm a child of God? How can I truly reveal that I want my life to be molded and patterned after Him? You will reveal and reflect the Father's heart, not just the stuff that you do. Because let me tell you, if you're a believer, and you're going to God saying, God, I gave my tithe. Why didn't you bless me? God, I've been loving my husband. Why won't he love me? God, I've been doing this. God, I've been doing that. God, I've been trying to cast my cares. But if you're talking about doing, 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 so you should do, do, give, give, bring me, bring me, bless me, bless me, prosper me, prosper me. Guess what? You're a slave. That's a slave. Slaves say, I did this, give me this. Sons say, I have this, so I do this. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. All of us run this risk. This is not one of those words of, man, that was really good for sister so-and-so. Man, you know, I'm thankful I'm not there. You're there. You're a son, servant, servant, or slave in some degree. And God wants you to live like a son, like a daughter in his house. He wants you to have access to every blessing, to every provision, to every anointing. He has it all laid out for you. He has prepared it for you. But the problem is, is you've got to see yourself the way He sees you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaith.austin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.